love coming from our area. Well, and, you know, here's the thing. I We have made our uh, uh, thoughts on Matthew Stafford well-known leading up to this tilt. And I didn't go as far as to buy a Detroit Ram t-shirt. Um, I think that's too when far. That, too far. When that day comes, Jamie, that the Lions make it, uh, into football's biggest stage, I want it to be on their own accord. I am not hopping on anybody else's coattails, and hopefully that will happen in our lifetime. But what we saw Matthew Stafford do is something that we saw him do quite a bit here while wearing the Honolulu blue and silver, uh, taking the Rams on that 79-yard drive, finding Cooper Cup. Everybody knew he was going to be the target, one-yard pass, 125 left. The rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, I mean, how many times did we see him with these fourth quarter game winning drives? You kind of felt it coming, honestly, when you were watching the game when he had, what, six minutes, 13 seconds, 79 yards to go. Yeah. Although that offense was stalled just before that. And I guess Sean McVay said to him and Cooper Cup, like, go get this done. And they did. Well, there for a while, uh, Matthew Stafford probably thought. Uh, he was still in Detroit when it came to the Rams' rushing game because they only had 43 yards on the ground. Cam Akers, by the way, 13 carries, 21 yards. He was their leading rusher. So they had to find a different way. And look, it was not looking good at all uh, to start the second half uh, when you had T. Higgins, who, by the way, did have a faceful uh, handful of uh Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's face mask, and that was not called. But yet no. the touchdown stands, and it's like, oh, boy, what's going on now? I know. I think someone – I was watching the Super Bowl at home because I did the morning show today and didn't work Sunday. But someone at our house was kind of like, oh, the bad calls follow you, Stafford. Like, it happens with the Lions. It happens to you with the Rams too, as well. Well, and I know there's a lot of Cincinnati Bengal fans that are uh, rather distraught because on the game-winning drive, the uh, Bengals, and it was very uncharacteristic, they had three successive penalties uh, on that drive. Um, so that is going to be debated for a while. But how the face mask was not called, uh, that's just another lingering problem for the National Football League. But the bottom line is this. The uh, Rams earned their first NFL title since the 1999 season, and their first representing Los Angeles, their first championship since 1951. Matthew Stafford, 26 of 40, 283 yards, three TDs, but he also had the two interceptions. Uh, one of them, uh, certainly not his fault. I think uh, if you're going to put the uh, the onus on somebody, it'd be Ben Skoranek, who uh, kind of deflected it uh, to a Bengal defender, and then the Next one was just kind of like a long punt, but three touchdowns. Okay. He got the job done. Yeah. And I'm sure he felt like he was back in Detroit without the run game and Skoranek being his wide receiver because they lost Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. And that was a shame. And, uh, you know, at that point in the second quarter, when, uh, OBJ goes down, uh, he was off to such a great start, two receptions, 52 yards to go along with that touchdown, uh, a long of 35 yards, by the way, and he goes down, and you're thinking, oh, boy, now what's going to happen here? Well, invariably, what it came down to was, you know, the Rams' defense was going to have to find a way to put a little pressure on Joe Burrow and make life difficult for this Bengals offense. And you know what? They did exactly that. 
Yeah, I mean, after that 75-yard touchdown, Bengals take the lead. They then produce just five first downs in the final six possessions. If you look at the box score, it's just punt, 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 punt. So the defense for the Rams certainly stepped up in that second half, and obviously so did Aaron Donald. Well, and this was a matchup uh, that was rather key to any success that the Bengals would have. Uh, The interior of their offensive line uh, has um, not been all that good. They've been much maligned, just put our cards on the table. And it was up to the likes of Aaron Donald and Von Miller to find the holes and uh, put the pressure on Joe Burrow. Now, you know, obviously, as a Lions guy, you know, watching this, very excited for Matthew Stafford. That's well documented. But Aaron Donald, you realize, of course, he could have been a Lion. And I've had a bad feeling about this pretty much from the get-go. You go back to the 2014 draft, Aaron Donald, highly thought of out of pit, he would go to the Rams with the uh, 13th selection. The Lions with number 10, tight end Eric Ebron. Oh. Eric Ebron. <laughs> yeah. We yep. took Eric Ebron. Who can forget that pick? Aaron Donald was there. I mean, you could go a bunch of years to what could have been. But, yeah, I'm happy for Aaron Donald. You know, pick guy. Pit Panther does well. Uh, now, obviously, you being from the greater Pittsburgh area, were you aware of him coming into the NFL back then? Yes. Yes. He was a player. There's no doubt about it. Uh, two sacks, two tackles for loss, three quarterback hits. Ironically enough, Von Miller, uh, who looked like he was getting very comfortable in that Rams uniform over the last uh, few ball games, he also had two sacks, two tackles for loss, and three quarterback hits. Uh, so there you go. As a matter of fact, Cooper Cup he wins the MVP, eight receptions, 92 yards, two touchdowns. I get it. But Aaron Donald could have gotten the MVP. I wouldn't have said a word. I know. When we were talking about it, I thought, you know, the defense really kept them in this game when the Rams offense was absolutely stalled. So, yeah, I could definitely see Aaron Donald. And he made that huge play on fourth down to end the game. Oh, yeah. It was uh, absolutely – and you could tell the emotion and, uh, you know, the relief that he was finally going to be getting his ring. And and now uh, it's interesting reading today there's a lot of folks wondering – if Aaron Donald is going to retire. How about that? Where did that come from? Is I don't question. know. I don't it know. Just did sort he of say popped something? up yesterday and maybe it's a negotiation thing. I feel like I'm very skeptical of this rumor. Well, it just doesn't make sense because you know what? I, I, I get it. Uh, you win a Super Bowl. You want to go out on top, but for crying in the night, uh, the dude looks like uh, he can still play at a high level for a long time. He's only 30, for crying out loud. And, That's young. Uh, yes, even in NFL standards. You know, he's not a geezer like Brady at 44 or whatever the case is. But, um, you know, it be interesting to see uh, what comes out of that. We know uh, that Matthew Stafford uh, is under contract uh, there in uh Los Angeles through next year. But it's funny how it all worked out. A year ago, uh, the deal was done, and Stafford uh, was a Ram. And you remember, Jamie, you know, automatically the Rams' chances of winning a Super Bowl by the odds makers 
greatly increased. With expectation, there, there's a lot of expectation that comes along with that, and uh, I'm sure uh, after Matthew steps away for a little bit, you know, he'll talk about the pressure going into this season. I'm sure it was there. Yeah, even though he said post game that you know we didn't think about that inside these walls of this, you know, you know how he speaks. There had to have been pressure. The guy never won a playoff game, and he comes in there as like the missing piece to win a Super Bowl. But he delivered. I mean, he had three game-winning drives in this postseason. He was clutch. Right. And, uh, again, I'm very happy that he was able to pull out a victory in the Super Bowl because, let's face facts, uh, if you're the losing quarterback of the Rams under Sean McVay, it doesn't really work out all that well. (laughs) Oh, the narrative. The narrative would be, well, he's no better than Jared Goff. It would have been a nightmare for him if he didn't win the Super Bowl. All right, now let me ask you this, and then we're gonna we're gonna let it cook for a second during the break. Uh, with the Super Bowl victory, how much closer does that put Matthew Stafford to the Hall of Fame? Hmm? I think he's in with his stats, with his numbers, and now a Super Bowl. He's in. Did you see uh, Richard Sherman? He thinks yes. otherwise. Yes, and that is exactly what we're going to talk about. That and more as we continue with the WJR Sportsbook. Welcome back to more of the WJR Sportsbook with Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds. Once again, here are Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds. Nice to have you with us, folks, talking about Super Bowl 56 and the fine Rams victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, talking about number nine, Matthew Stafford. Uh, it only took 4,509 days, Jamie, from his NFL debut for Stafford to finally win a postseason game. Now, four weeks later, he has that Super Bowl ring. Uh, everybody knows the deal. He wore the Honolulu blue and silver for 12 years. The overall record, while a member of the Detroit Lions, 86-95-1, and, uh, and making only three postseason appearances. Uh, but now, with that Super Bowl championship, the question has been floated around a little bit. Uh, is he a Hall of Famer when you take into consideration that Matthew Stafford, the youngest to reach many passing milestones during his National Football League career? Uh, you were saying going into the break that uh, you think that as it stands right now, he qualifies. Yes, I do. Don't you? Well, I Well, you know, here's the thing. Uh, right now, Matthew Stafford ranks 12th on the NFL's career passing yards leaderboard, topping plenty of current Hall of Famers, including Warren Moon, Dan Fouts, and Joe Montana. Uh, But you also alluded before the break to what Richard Sherman had to say, the uh, fine defensive back who is never afraid to share an opinion or two. Uh, here's the tweet. I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, but the HOF bar is incredibly low now, like a participation trophy. No all-decade team. Talking about Stafford. No all-decade team. No all-pro. No MVP. One Pro Bowl. Not even MVP of the Super Bowl. Never considered the best in any year he played. At least Matt Ryan was an MVP. So, There you go. Now, I will say this. uh, Richard Sherman can obviously play the game. I think he is going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Not a whole lot of love, though, for number nine right there. No. And there were certainly years where he was not even the best quarterback in the league. I mean, in the division. Uh, 
So I see his argument that he's making. I guess who gets into the Hall of Fame these days? Someone who's really, really good, fastest to 30,000, 40,000, soon 50,000, has a Super Bowl ring, was a leader of a bunch of teams. Is that good enough? Or do you have to be top five, you know, all overall? Well, uh, for a long time, all I've heard of the four majors in this great nation of ours, the thought has always been that the NFL's Hall of Fame uh, was the hardest to get into. Uh, so, but here's the deal. If you're Matthew Stafford, you're 34 years of age. Uh, you are under contract through the 2022 season. Uh, so he can still add to what I think already is an impressive resume by the numbers. And, you know, it wasn't all that long ago when you were talking about the Hall of Fame, doesn't matter if it's uh, football, hockey, baseball, basketball, how many championships do you have? Mm-hmm. You know, Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl, but he's in the Hall of Fame for all the right, right. reasons, I'll point out. Right. There's an article on Deadspin about talking about Dan Marino, Dan Fouts, Philip Rivers, Likely, and Jim Kelly. And Stafford surpassed all of those guys in terms of his stats. Well, Jim Kelly, I could see for crying out loud because he went to four of them, did he not? And although the Bills lost them all, uh, right. you know... <laughs> Jim Kelly uh, was a slinger, man. There's no question about it. But I think uh, the point here, and maybe the moral of the story is, and I'll say this, I I don't think one Super Bowl championship for Matthew Stafford has guaranteed him a spot in the Hall of Fame. I I, I do think, uh, based on the barometer that Richard Sherman has drawn up, uh, that he's going to have to improve on that resume. Right. It's just so funny how Stafford can be debated in so many different ways about the trade to L.A., how great he is. Is he a Hall of Famer? It's Isn't it funny that people have so many strong opinions? Oh, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, he is uh, a lightning rod. The thing that I don't understand from the Stafford haters is that he quit on the Lions. He was here for 12 years. Right. And gave his heart and soul to this organization on and off the field. We've talked about that ad nauseum. He wanted to win. He's getting up there. And, you know, he realized that in Detroit, it was going to be a rebuild. And he wanted really nothing to do with that. So, you know, it worked out. And look, to the Lions' credit, they put him in a very nice situation with that deal to the Rams. Because from what I understand, he could have been a Carolina Panther just uh-huh. like that. Didn't happen. Yeah, they sent him where he wanted to go. I mean, after that trip to Cabo, he was all in on L.A., and they made it happen. Now, this was definitely a different organization, different people at the top, but they were not that nice to Calvin Johnson, not that nice to Barry. No, and you know what? Uh, I think they came through, and uh, – you know, now the uh, management with the Lions, uh, they have a treasure trove of draft picks. And what's going to be interesting is to see how those are spent. Um, also, uh, after the game, taking a look at Joe Burrow, you know, here is a guy that will probably be one of the faces of the league for years to come. Uh, only in his second year, gets the Bengals to the Super Bowl. But the amazing thing is, Jamie, 
uh, as much as it'd be easy to say he'll be back, there are no guarantees. You're right. There's no guarantee in football, but it just seems like that Bengals team is a young team as it's constructed. And Joe Burrow just, you know, is so strong. I think he'll be back. Well, let's see. Favorites to win Super Bowl 57. Kansas City going off 7 to 1, the Buffalo Bills 15 to 2, uh the Rams 10 to 1, the Bengals 11 to 1. So uh they are still held in very high regard. And uh, I like Zach Taylor. I like the dude's style. Um but you know what? Uh you know, we've seen it happen where there was expectation on a team and, and they don't even qualify for the postseason. But I think that's what makes, you know, the NFL so crazy. It's like when the uh, Lions season comes out in April. You know, it's impossible to sit there and say win, win, loss, win, loss. You don't know how, what teams are going to do one year to the next. It's impossible. Right. We try, though. We tried this past year and we got it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Uh, it's a fun thing to do every year uh, because that's the thing about Lions fans. We are so damn optimistic that we usually put them in a very good situation before each and every season. Now, that being said, I'm going to be honest. I am very optimistic about what Dan Campbell is going to do with this team. Uh, I, I, I just, uh, you know, now that the season's been over for a little bit of time, you look back and, you know, you see the way this team reacted to him under very difficult circumstances from time to time, and they did not quit. So that being said, with the treasure trove of draft picks that this team has now, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic. I mean, yes. am I an idiot? No. And I said this in my story that aired today on Channel 4. I ended it with this. Brad Holmes was a, a, an evaluator of talent with the Rams. And look at how that team is constructed. I mean, he sure. was there. He found Cooper Cup. I mean, not him alone, but you know what I mean. Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald. So he knows how to draft. And look what he did with Amon Ra St. Brown. Perhaps there's some positivity going forward that the Lions could be somewhat like the Cincinnati Bengals and have a turnaround. No, and, and I'm sure those within the Rams organization – um, if they haven't, they should email, text Brad Holmes and say thank you because he was one of the major architects of the uh, Ram success. Um, and, you know, you could also say uh, he gave him number nine. Uh, sure, the, right. the Rams paid. They don't have a first-round draft pick till 2024, uh, and that was a subject of debate. They are all in. There is absolutely no doubt about it. Stafford, Von Miller, Odell Beckham, you know, they are all in at a price. Now that they had their Super Bowl championship, of course it was worth it. Oh, 100% it was worth it. This is what they wanted. Now they're going to have some tr- struggles re-signing some of these guys. They don't have early draft picks at all. So we'll see. But Brad Holmes did that. He found those guys, at least uh, Cooper Cup, late. That's that's how you win. You find these guys in late rounds. And here's a question for you. What the Rams did, and they did successfully, mortgaging the farm, is this going to change the landscape of the way NFL teams do business? Oh, kind of like the NBA super teams now? Well, you know, kind of. I mean, but, 
you know, it, it, this win now at all costs mentality. I love it. I think it's great. It's very risky if you're the, you know, coach or you're the GM because it's all in or you're getting fired. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, clearly uh, you could look at the Lions organization and say, well, what the hell do they have to lose? <laughs> because I think that's another thing that was starting to get to Stafford. You know, a new coach, a new general manager, a new coach, a new general manager. Uh, right. There was no cohesion in the 12 years that he was here. Now, what's going to transpire uh, with the Rams for however long he is there? It, it, you know, and again, doing some reading today, it's hysterical. You know, there's always some people questioning already whether or not it's feasible that Stafford will end his career a lion. <laughs> I know. I saw that. People have to write something. You know, they have a deadline. They have some space to fill. Yeah, they got to uh, put something down. I get it. But uh, you talk about Cooper Cup. I don't know if we will ever see a, and, and never say never, I get that, a wide receiver duplicate the season, regular season through the postseason that he did. Uh, just a machine. Eight receptions uh, last night, 92 yards to go along with two scores. And the, and, and the fact of the matter is, I think everybody knew that Cooper Cup was going to be the target on that one-yard touchdown throw uh, with a buck 25 left. But you, you, you can't defend him. It is unbelievable the level that this kid plays on. Yeah, and he's so unassuming. But he, as you remember, the receiving Triple Crown, NFL Offensive Player of the Year, and now Super Bowl MVP. That's a crazy year. Well, and I get it because, you know, we've already talked about how horrible the Rams running game was uh, last night. 43 yards total. Cooper Cup had seven of the most important yards the franchise will ever know that on that fourth down play. That was play call, wasn't it? Good Lord. It was something. Um, but, you know, this Aaron Donald thing, uh, that's going to be very, very interesting because obviously you build a defense around that guy. It would be shocking for him to walk away at 30, wouldn't it? I think he's not going to, honestly. I think it's a negotiation tactic. Well, we'll see. The anxiety's killing me already. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about some of the Super Bowl sidebars. Did you have a favorite commercial? Oh, I have notes. This is going to be an exciting segment. <laughs> what would you think of the halftime show? That's another thing I want to discuss. I absolutely loved it. You know what? It's not my musical genre. I'm a, I'm a classic rock guy, uh, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. Um, I didn't know exactly what to expect because it looked like they had a, a series of pods out there. Uh, <laughs> but it, uh, it worked out well, I thought. And then Eminem brings the house down, one of the largest ovations uh, all night. So we'll talk about that as we continue with the WJR Sportsbook. Welcome back to more of the WJR Sportsbook with Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds. Once again, here are Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds. Well, certainly there are some folks that enjoy watching the Super Bowl, not for the game, but for the commercials. It has become a long-standing tradition. And, you know, there for a while, uh, they were in a funk. Um I think a period of three, four, maybe five years. It's just mediocre at best. There was a couple of nice ones last night, though. Are you talking about the halftime show? No, the commercials. 
Oh, the commercials. Yeah. Um, sorry. That's I guess all I right. out. I did the morning <laughs> show today on Local 4. Maybe I fell asleep for a hot second. You poor thing. You have had a <laughs> schedule of late. Okay, let's talk commercials. I loved GM and Dr. Evil. Yes. I love that. I loved The Sopranos 1 and Chevy. I had to watch that uh, online today, but it was uh, it was very good. Anything Sopranos is great by me. Yes, and there's a theme that goes with the halftime show and the commercials. It's like they were picking people and actors and actresses that were big back in the day of like the 90s and 2000s. Sopranos, when was that popular? Dr. Evil and Austin Powers was like late 90s, early 2000s movie. Look at Lindsay you. Really getting into some, you're really getting into some deep analysis here, Jane. Well, I was just thinking, like, these are all things I used to love when I was in high school and college, and all these people kept popping up, like Lindsay Lohan. Well, yeah, once Lindsay Lohan's on the scene, holy mackerel. I mean, well, uh, when's she was the last popular time? popular back in the day. Well, yeah, she certainly was. Anna Kendrick with the Rocket Mortgage, which I thought was a brilliant commercial. That one was good. Uh, what else? I like the Alexa Mind Reader with Colin yes. Jost and Scar Joe. Yeah, that was uh, that was very well done, and uh, they were both great in it. Can I ask uh, you guys uh, a question real quick? Yeah, go ahead, Blaker. What'd you think of uh, current LeBron talking to past LeBron? Because that made what? me very uncomfortable. <laughs> it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, but that's where we are technology-wise. I thought it was very innovative. I, 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 yeah. I will say that. Cool. It was, it was it was just weird. He's sitting in like his 15-year-old self's bedroom. It just made me uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else freaks me out? Talking babies. I don't know what it is, but uh, that one uh, commercial's back with the uh, baby talking, and it really looks like the kid's talking, and... I said it when it first came out a few years ago. Oh, I don't know about this. This is crazy. I mean, okay, talking babies out. In my world, anyway. <laughs> what about the uh, Lays with uh, Seth Rogen and uh, uh, the other dude? That was pretty entertaining. Oh, man, I'm blanking on his name. How they were both looking back at their friendship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, that was uh, funny. Yeah, going through some crazy times. Yeah, I thought that was uh, good for a potato chip, for crying yes. out loud. And the halftime show, I thought uh, they did it very, very well. You know what? It really impresses me that you've got the Super Bowl venue, the Bengals take a knee, and immediately there's a staff of a gazillion getting the halftime show ready and how they're able to pull that off seamlessly, that in and of itself is pretty darn impressive. I think that every single year, regardless of the act, that they can bring in a full concert, stage, people, everything, and then get it right back out. Then they're, you know, playing football. But, uh, yeah, Eminem, you know, he got a hell of an ovation. Good for him. Detroit in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Well, yeah, how many times has it been pointed out, uh, you know, with various memes that, you know, the fact that Eminem was on the scene, the closest Detroit will come to a Super Bowl ever. I don't care for that, but, uh, you know, great tune. And I thought the uh, the whole thing was uh, good. Mary J. Blige, 
uh, you know, still uh, doing it very, very well. Um, you know, then we all got a surprise. Fitty on the scene. <laughs> I just absolutely loved it because it was a time when I think it was college time for me or maybe late high school and the people I was watching with, same kind of deal. I think if you're 35 to maybe 50 or 45, 50, you loved it. And they played their old hit songs, you know, nothing new. We knew the lyrics. I loved it. Well, I think, uh, Blake, we were talking earlier on Mitch's show uh, are, are the halftime acts in form that it's best to do stuff that everybody knows? Because it was Springsteen one year that tried a new song, and it didn't really go over well. I think in a situation like that, uh, you're the halftime act. It would probably behoove you to do a couple of tunes that are bona fide hits. Blake, was that uh, that was the gist of our conversation, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, play the hits. That's the easiest way to be successful. Just play the hits. Well, and uh, that's what uh, we got last night. So uh, it was a darn good deal. Uh, you liked it, Blake. You're in that uh, demo for crying out loud. Jamie and I were talking about this uh, during the break, actually. And like the 50 cent part was awesome for me because that was like same thing, like my like high school. But like Snoop's a little bit before my time. It was still cool. It was something different. It wasn't like the the classic rock or like the super poppy stuff like Bruno Mars. So it was cool that they actually went in a different direction. You know, I I, I got to tell you, Blake, we've known each other a while. Yeah. Uh, Blake, when that thing came on uh, the screen and it was just, what, what are those things called, Blake? The Oh, the QR code? Yeah, the QR code. <laughs> Jamie, did you see that? Yes. I got this two. thing comes on, and I'm somewhat technologically savvy, but I'm looking at this thing, granted, after a few liquid sandwiches, and I'm thinking, what is going on? Is the TV broke? What's happening? <laughs> and Blake comes on Mitch's show earlier and says he scanned it and got 15 bucks. In Bitcoin. So, And Bitcoin only goes up, as everyone knows. So it could be an unlimited amount of money. We don't know how much it's going to end up being, but I got $15 in Bitcoin last night and all of my information is now owned by whatever crypto right. company that was. Uh, here's my guess on that. And I'm just hypothesizing. Spitballing here. You will be visited by a black Denali tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to know. Four guys in suits will come out. <laughs> like the movie Taken. <laughs> <laughs> now, how do you know you got $15 in Bitcoin, and do you actually have that Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah. Like, So what the QR code was is you had 45 minutes, and the app ended up crashing, but I still got it. You had 45 minutes to create an account on this crypto thing. I don't want to say what company it was. No free ads for them. Right. But, um, yeah, you got you created an account and they put fifteen dollars worth of Bitcoin into your account, right? Like right away, no questions asked. All you had to do was create an account. That's gonna you know uh, keep us up to date on exactly yeah. what goes down. It went up today. I'm up a little bit. I'm at like fifteen ninety. <laughs> when you're a millionaire and you quit, then you let us know. 
I'm going to yeah. keep investing, I think, now. I'm addicted to crypto just because of this ad. Yeah, but, I mean, it could crash tomorrow. Well, then the ad worked for you. Yeah, they got me. Oh, they got you. The, the, the only question is, how bad did they get you? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Uh, we'll take a look at college basketball. Uh, Michigan State coming off a win, a much-needed win, by the way. Uh, we'll let you know about uh, what's happening with the Wolverines as they try and press forward to secure a place in uh, the big dance. Red Wings, Pistons, uh, bringing you up to date on the whole darn deal. Leave it here. It's the WJR Sportsbook. Welcome back to more of the WJR Sportsbook with Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds. Once again, here are Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds. Always nice to have you with us right here on the WJR Sportsbook. And, yeah, you better believe it's a show that uh, we are very happy to set aside once a week for myself and my partner, Jamie Edmonds, to uh, discuss with you uh, everything going on in sports. And uh, I would be remiss uh, before we uh, vacate the premises uh, to uh, mention uh, my friend Frank Beckman, who uh, passed away. Uh, Saturday night, um, he, uh, you could easily say, uh, was responsible for sports talk on the radio when he began years ago, a 15-minute sports rap segment uh, that turned into a long-running program here on the Blowtorch. Uh, after Frank uh, moved on from the sports genre and became uh, Mr. All-Around Talk Show host here at WJR, I was fortunate enough to host sports rap with some very talented people for a while. But uh, I cannot say um, exactly how sad I am at my friend's passing. And uh, he taught me a lot. Um, And my thoughts and prayers uh, continue to be with his lovely wife, Karen, son, Jonathan, and daughter, Tori, and uh, all the uh, grandbabies and uh, all the family. Uh, Just wanted to get that out there. Uh, Jamie, did you ever meet Frank? I met Frank. He was always lovely to me. I don't know him that well, but obviously he had such a legacy in Detroit. Detroit's a sports town, so his legacy will live on for a long time. Yeah, uh, quick story. Um, I was working in Traverse City when I was beginning my mediocre broadcast career. Uh, (laughs) The beginnings. Yeah, the uh, radio station WTCM, and we ran the Lions game. So on Sunday, I would go in and run the board. Uh, for the Lions game. And Frank was doing play-by-play at the time with the late, great Charlie Sanders. And I remember sitting there listening to the games, being a big Lions guy, thinking, you know what? I would like to be in this business long enough to meet that guy. Uh, Well, I did, and I had the distinct pleasure of uh, working side-by-side with Frank uh, for a long time, spending eight years with him uh, with Michigan football and uh, Jim Branstetter, of course. And uh, I will take those memories with me forever. Uh, but again, thoughts and prayers for the Beckmans. And uh, very sad uh, that we lose Francis. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we've got uh, good news as it applies to the Michigan State Spartans. You know, Jamie, for the first time all season, they had lost two in a row. They needed a win, stopped the bleeding. Uh, at the Breslin Center Saturday afternoon, they do just that, bettering the Indiana Hoosiers 76 uh, 61. Big win. Hard fought win. And I read an article that they had a players only meeting. They needed to be tougher. They were. Tom Izzo said it was gritty over pretty, but it's what they needed. 
Yeah, and he'll take that any day. Uh, Malik Hall, by the way, uh, he was a man of the hour, 18.6 boards. In the second half, he was at the baseline. Uh, he uh, shoots the ball over the backboard, and it goes in. One of the most amazing shots I've seen during any college basketball game, that's for sure. Up next, uh, in the road ahead, as the Spartans eye a Big Ten championship, not going to be easy. They've got six games over the next 16 days. Up next, tomorrow night, uh, they will be at Penn State to take on the 9-12, and 4-9 and nine in the conference, Nittany Lions. It was back on December 11th. Uh, Tom Izzo and the Spartans took care of Penn State at the Breslin Center, 80-64. to 64. Uh, That was win number four, uh, nine in a row. By the way, uh, Magnum T.I., Tom Izzo, now within one game of tying the Big Ten record for overall wins by a league coach with at least 10 years in the conference. Former Indiana head coach Bobby Knight holds the record with 662. Tom Izzo at 661. Up next for the Basketball Wolverines, they have an appointment uh, in Iowa to take on the 17-7 and Hawkeyes. Juwan Howard and the Wolverines right now, Jamie, 13-10, 7-6 in Big Ten play. And again, using the 20-win rule as a standard to get your ticket punched to the dance, they've got some work to do. Yeah, and it's not going to be easy for them. At Iowa, at Wisconsin, they have the Michigan State makeup game, it's going to be a tough road for them. The uh, Pistons, shifting gears here, they are in action as we speak. They're in Washington, taking on the Wizards. 7-15 left in the second quarter. Wizards up 37-26. Pistons just going through it, Jamie. Um, You know what? Uh, Maybe learning a little bit as they make their way towards the end of what has been a difficult season. Pistons now 12-44. They are 0-7 in this month of February. I would just like to see anything good happen to him. Anything. I do think there are little moments of growth. We'll see if Marvin Bagley can, you know, with a fresh start, do something here in Detroit. You know, Cade, Cade Cunningham has been great. So there are small moments. Yeah, Cade Cunningham, as we've discussed, is uh, showing some uh, moments of brilliance. And uh, I think he's going to be a keeper. There's no doubt about it. Uh, The Red Wings, they've been impressive coming off the All-Star break, winning the home-and-home, sweeping the home-and-home series with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Tonight, they find themselves in Minnesota to take on a fine uh, Minnesota Wild team. That's going to be an 8 o'clock start, by the way. And, yes, the Pistons still in wild-card conversation. But as we discussed last week, and maybe the week before that, points continue to be at a premium. Yeah, and that second spot are the Bruins, and they're seven points ahead of the Wings. So the Wings need to string together some wins. I think it would be so fun to see them in the playoffs, even if it's just the first round with these young guys. That would be so great. Yeah, it would uh, do a lot for the uh, youth on this deal. And Stevie Y, uh, because you know you got to believe wholeheartedly that he knows what he's doing, and I think uh, you know he he would say that they're kind of on pace as to where he thought they would be when he took the job, and you can't ask for anything more than that. No, he knows what he's doing. Look what happened in Tampa. We just have to be patient. All right. Not a whole lot of time left uh, in the broadcast, but uh, the Rams win Super Bowl 56. But unfortunately for my partner, they didn't cover. <laughs> so <laughs> You had to bring it up. The bottom line I am is... A, I'm in a bad spot. I need to call one of those gambling numbers. Well, now we got to decide... Uh, 
what we can do uh, because I'd like for nothing more to give you a chance to, you know, win some of the uh, <clears throat> beer back. But uh, <laughs> uh, we'll just have to find something to uh, wager on because, after all, that's what we do. I owe you a keg or something at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already said this. Uh, Obviously, with the uh, Omicron surge that we have been through, but thank goodness the numbers uh, in the great state of Michigan coming down. Uh, this is the last time we'll be uh, uh, away in remote locations. By golly, and I'm looking forward to it, James, seeing you next Monday night at the Golden Tower. I can't wait to be in the studio with you again and coming back on my bets. <laughs> it has uh, it has been a while, so... Uh, uh, we appreciate that and certainly looking forward to it. Jamie, uh, so it is written, so it shall be done. We'll see you on Monday night. See you face-to-face. Blake, thank you very much for all you do. The program continues to be produced by the one, the only, Nick Roddy. He's got basketball responsibilities, but his team's doing well, so that's pretty cool. Uh, he'll be back with us, but as always, thank you very much for tuning in to 760 WJR.